Both of them were famous actors without a stained past once they met each other in 2011. Since then, their toxic relationship turned their lives upside down, while domestic violence allegations led to serious consequences for one of them. The questions we need to answer are, who is the domestic abuser in this relationship? Is there a basis for calling these allegations fake? And if so, what are they to gain from it? This is the story of Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. How do you even start a video like this? How would you even start it? Let me kick this one off with a trigger warning, because the prevalent topic of this video is going to surround domestic violence. Domestic violence allegations, we are gonna go through the background of these two individuals before they met, where they were at in their lives once they met each other, and then go through their marriage, which is when most of the allegations have happened, speak about those allegations, and support everything with court documents or court statements, so hearsay, if you wish. And then we're gonna talk about where does this stand now. So, I just wanted to give that trigger warning because usually with the entertainment topics, people, you know, just click on a video not knowing that this is a true crime channel, so if this is your first time and this is the video you're starting this channel off with, welcome, and boy, I hope you stick around. I do long-form videos, I have spent past few days diving into this topic, so you're about to go down a rabbit hole with me. And I'm giving the trigger warning because I would love nothing more than to have the comment section that is purely survivors of domestic violence commenting on something like this, because they would be able to give us the insight that we need, and that is something that I looked for in every single video that I have looked online, like people's impartial opinions based on real-life situations. But again, if you are a survivor of domestic violence, please take care of yourself. This isn't one of those entertainment breakdowns of somebody's relationships. There are going to be images of different bruises on both parties. I will include court documents describing the allegations of abuse, so this might not be the starting point on this channel for you, or you might want to skip this one in general and watch a lighter one. Take care of yourselves. Once you go deep down this rabbit hole, you realize how heavy this case is, regardless of you being a survivor of domestic violence or not. Trigger warning out of the way. The way that I look like Casper, the friendly ghost, out of the way. On this channel, I often introduce the topics by saying forget everything you know about true crime. That is because usually they require some form of critical thinking, they question your own biases, and this case is on top of that list. So there is a couple of things that I want you to know diving into this topic. First one being that we will be starting this one off as if you have never heard of Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, because that's how I went into it. I don't belong to any of their fan bases, I was not a huge Johnny Depp fan, definitely not a huge Amber Heard fan, so I will try to make this as unbiased as humanly possible, and you might not like it, because as somebody who has done the research for about two days, 
I have seen most of the videos that are on this case and they are mostly heavily biased. So by the end of this video you might feel like the situation isn't as black and white as you expected. And yet again, I'm telling you straight up, you might not like it. You might want a different outcome. I sure as hell do. I sure as hell do, but it just doesn't let you have it. The case just doesn't let you have it. The second thing that I wanted to mention, mostly because I want some comments to be around this particular topic, is the questions that you are coming into this video with, and then the ones or one you are leaving it with. Because hopefully I do manage to answer some, because I had plenty, and I managed to answer a ton of them. But there was a question that kind of changed in my head as I dived into this topic, and then by the end of it, and it has to do with the lack of evidence in particular area. Third thing, and this is a big one that you should expect out of this video, is that it will question your bias towards victims. The fact that you might not be able to cope with mentally that a victim of domestic violence can be a male, can be a man, can be a famous man, who would, you would suppose, have all of the resources to deal with this. To know where to go, to know which steps to take to get out of this as soon as possible. You might not approve of all of the actions by one or the other party. And you might have to struggle dealing with the fact that the victim isn't always perfect and that somebody doesn't have to be perfect in order to be a victim. And the last point of contention that I feel should be in the back of your head, that you should struggle with internally as we are going through this video, that I know I have, is these are people in Hollywood. These are celebrities who have teams behind them, who have people who surround them on a daily basis. Can we conjure up the same level of empathy for them than we can for a friend of ours, a family member of ours, if they were to be going through the same situation. Just some points to think about as we go through, because I struggled with this one. I had to stop my research so many times to think about what do I see in this situation, like, can I side with one person or the next? And even by the end of it, I'm just like, oh, I wish... I wish I had a different ending for you. I really, really do. But this is one of those that makes you sit in it. It makes you sit in it, and it makes you sit in the longest introduction for no reason. Everybody skipped by this point. They're all at the next timestamp. So what time it is? My is the name. That is the time. What are you on about? Are you okay? <laughs> My is the name, and she is your host. I'm welcoming you to Hornsville. It is the city that surfaces on the map only in October, only on this channel. And once you meet its citizens, once you learn their stories, you might be scarred for life, because it's Halloween, baby. Scorpio season is upon us, and we are about to go down a rabbit hole. So let's not waste any more time, because this is already going to be the longest one yet. Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Let us start from the very beginning and speak about their backgrounds. Johnny Depp was born on June the 9th, 1963. He was born as John Christopher Depp II. He was raised by his dad, John Sr., and his mom, Betty Sue, 
in the southern part of Ohio called Owensboro. Johnny and his family didn't come from wealth. His dad was an engineer in the city and his mom worked as a waitress in small coffee shops. He's the youngest of four children and as such had always had a really strong connection with his mom. He'd later say in his interviews that he can remember sitting with his mom after her shifts in the cafes and helping her count the tip money, helping her with her end-of-day report. He'd always shown nothing but admiration for his mom, the hard work, her persistence, in order to provide for the four children as they were growing up. Something else that Johnny will remember from his young days is how many times they moved houses. Him and his family lived quite a nomadic lifestyle, you could say. By the age of 15, he would have said that the family moved houses at least 20 times. The one that he remembers in particular, because it happened due to his grandpa passing away, was when he was seven, when they moved to Miramar in Florida, and this is where they spent long times living in motels until his dad was able to find secure work, and then they moved finally into a house, into like normal living circumstances. This would affect him for later in life, and he would often say that whenever he was to pack up a suitcase just to go travel, just go on holiday, it would always trigger the old memories of him and his family moving to find a better life when he was young. Later he would speak about that move at the age of seven in particular, but also about the constant instability and uncertainty that all of these moves have caused, that that would be what sparked his wild side. For some time, you could really say that this wild side would be under the wraps, because at first he wanted to be one of his heroes, Daniel Boone or Bruce Lee, but then he started changing his interests towards music. His uncle was a preacher and he had a gospel work that used to perform in this local church of theirs, and he loved music, he loved seeing his uncle perform, standing on the podium, and calling out to the audience. Another person that influenced his music career was his own brother, Danny, who at some points, due to the moves, due to them living in different motels, he would be sharing the room with. And his brother was into rock music, he would introduce him to Van Morrison, to Kiss, to Bob Dylan, so, as he was growing older, Johnny would eventually learn how to play the guitar, he started playing in these little garage bands, and he even formed his own band that was called Flame. I did indicate that the interest in music is going to help him tame the wild side for a while, but soon it started showing up in his grades. He wasn't doing well in school, he was in his third year of high school, and he had about eight credits, according to him, and was bored out of his mind. He started hating school, hanging out with a bad crowd, even bringing the guitar to school and skipping classes to go to the music practice rooms and just sit and play his guitar, even if it was on his own. His teenage years would end up getting filled with even more questionable actions. At the age of 12, he started smoking, drinking, breaking into school, and destroying anything that he could. So he started displaying violence from quite an early age. 
When he was 13, Flame, his band, started playing at the local clubs, and Johnny started carrying a fake ID in order to fool the club owners that he is of age to perform and attend such clubs, and this was, you could say, his first role in acting, trying to fit into this world, trying to present himself as someone he is not, even though, in this case, it is just as somebody of an older age. The next couple of actions that Johnny would embark on during his teenage years, in my opinion, show that a lot of people who we perceive as mature during this period of time are mature in a specific area, in the area that they want to represent themselves as mature, and that maturity very much neglects us from seeing how many areas they are actually quite immature in. We all know those people. Don't pretend like you don't. It's all of the people that, you know, that lost their virginity at the age of, like, 13, 14, pretending that they are much cooler than they were, pretending that they have much more power and influence than they did. We all had a couple of those in high school. And that is why you become a gossip girl in high school, and you have some information to hold over those people, and then you don't get bullied. Okay, now that sounded like a personal comment, <laughs> personal life story. Well, Johnny also lost his virginity when he was about 13, 14, with a girl that he met while he was performing. And by the age of 14, he had already tried just about any kind of drug that there was, according to him, again. But he saw that this pathway won't lead anywhere good. It is as if he could foresee the future that he was to have if he was to continue this downward spiral. So he found a job and worked as a mechanic, worked as construction labor and screen printer in the next couple of years, and just as it seemed like his behavior is changing, his habits are changing, his parents announced that they were getting divorced. During this period of time, Johnny will end up meeting somebody who will become his first wife. He actually got married for the first time when he was only 20 years old. This woman's name is Laurie Ann, and she would be his introduction to Hollywood because Laurie Ann was a makeup artist, and she was the person that first introduced Johnny to Nicolas Cage. And this is the man who then introduced him to directors, to producers, and saw some potential in Johnny. Johnny and Laurie Ann would be married for the next three years, and he still wasn't a huge name in Hollywood. He was, in fact, still working as a telemarketer on the side. He was selling pens. And he'd say that he took this job quite as a role. He said it prepared him for the movies, because, like, every call was a different role that he would engage with, and he just did that, pretending like he's a different person with every call so that he isn't bored to death. So the marriage was not to last. They got divorced in 1986, and he never spoke ill of Lorien. He never mentioned her in any negative light, never gave any statements about her in public, in the interviews, even later in life. Most of you watching this are probably thinking, who is this? Johnny was married before. And that is why we are doing this and talking about this this way, because there are certain patterns that are showing and will prevail 
for the remainder of this video and the fact that he doesn't speak badly of his ex-spouses, ex-girlfriends, will remain one of them. Some of the more famous roles from this period of time would be his role in A Nightmare on Elm Street. He also made a ton of average movies. That is yet another pattern in Johnny Depp's career. There's a lot more quantity than there is quality. You're gonna get hate mail. You no, the, no, the comment section will not suffice for people, Maya. There are some hardcore Johnny Depp fans, and they're gonna disagree heavily. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> I love you. Don't hate me. Um, then his next couple of smaller roles were in 21 Jump Street, the series, not the Channing Tatum movie, and Twin Peaks. And while being featured in these two series, he will meet his next girlfriend. Well, rather, the next famous girlfriend. This woman's name was Charlene Fenn, and they would date for about two years, between 86 and 88. Another thing that I find interesting and isn't really mentioned... So, with Charlene, he would write her name on the helmet that he wore in the movie Platoon. If anybody's, like, a super fan, you probably know all of these movies. But I find it interesting because we will later speak about a tattoo that he had of Winona Ryder's name on his skin. I think it's, like, the shoulder here that he had altered. So, it is definitely something that isn't mentioned often, that regardless of the length of the relationship, if Johnny feels for you, he'll either tattoo your name, if he really, really feels for you, or he will put your name on, like, a prop that he is wearing on set. Unless you are Amber Heard. I don't think you tattooed her name anywhere. I don't think he wore a display of her name anywhere in the props. Let me know if there are any super fans of Ram Diaries. Stop jumping the gun. We aren't there yet. But where we are at is increasingly with Johnny starting to date more and more famous people. He had a passing, fleeting romance with Jennifer Grey, and she was famous from Dirty Dancing. This was in 1989, and some reports said that the two of them were even engaged, but it didn't last for too long. And this is also when Johnny started getting more and more recognition. He started acting in famous movies, becoming a teen idol with a crazy fan base, and getting a main character role in Cry Baby in 1990 certainly propelled him to the red carpet level, which is where he would meet his next girlfriend, Winona Ryder, at the premiere for her movie Great Bulls of Fire. With Winona, it was love at first sight. The two of them were known as Hollywood's newest couple. He would, as I mentioned, tattoo her full name on his shoulder, and they would be together for the next three years, between 1990 and 1993. In 1993, after dating Winona, he briefly dated a German model called Tatiana Patitz. The post-breakup period from Winona really here indicates a couple of other patterns in Johnny Depp's life, that he would never really fully give up on finding solace in music, in nightlife, in the lifestyle that that tags along, including certain dependencies on substances and alcohol. 
He actually co-owned a club during this period of time that was frequented by Christina Applegate, by Lisa Presley, Jan Aniston, all of the stars from the 90s. But in 1993, when he was playing at his own club, he noticed River Phoenix, another actor, who started behaving strangely. They rushed River outside, where he collapsed, and later they learned that he died due to the drug overdose. Johnny would mourn his colleague and friend, but also his own life seems to have been crashing down on him. In 1994, he would end up being arrested for trashing a hotel suit in New York. The security guards here ended up asking him to leave, but he refused, saying that he paid for the room, but the room seems to have been destroyed like, in complete tatters. So the security guards had no other choice but to call the authorities. Here he would end up being arrested, but the charges would end up being dropped. I read in some reports that this trashing of the hotel room happened during the time that he was dating his next girlfriend, Kate Moss. So between 1994 and 1998, Kate Moss, who is one of the best-paid top models from the UK, dated Johnny Depp, and Johnny, yet again, had nothing bad to say about Kate. In fact, he supported her through their relationship and even after. He came to her defense when the media would label her as anorexic, saying that she ate as well as any man he knew. And even once they split up in 98, Johnny would say that they split up because they wanted different things for their lives. He'd say, I don't think I was very good to her. So what we did was right. We walked away from each other. Because he was the Hollywood it boy at this point, because of all of the heavily publicized relationships, this is when Johnny Depp and the media were on two different pages. This is when, really, he started hating his own portrayal. Once he broke up with Kate Moss, he would experience media frenzy. People even printing out the car stickers. Honk if you've been engaged to Johnny Depp. Everybody was referring to him as a dog, as somebody who is sleeping around, dating famous models, actresses, and jumping between one relationship to another. Johnny would say that his post-breakup lifestyle essentially consisted of coming home, crying, not sleeping, eating, and beer. But just as the media expected here, he didn't wait for too long to start dating somebody else. This is when he met a French singer and model, Vanessa Paradis, and with Vanessa he will spend next 14 years, and this marriage will end up in him having two children. During this relationship, we will witness Johnny Depp's second arrest, and this is going to happen here in the UK. He was in the UK in 1999 filming Sleepy Hollow. Him and Vanessa were at the Mirabelle restaurant here in central London, just trying to eat dinner when the paparazzi started surrounding the place, approaching him, requesting to take pictures, refusing to leave the couple alone. And here, allegedly, Johnny would threaten them with a wooden plank. He would end up being arrested, taken to the West End Central Police Station, but released in the next couple of hours. While he was married to Vanessa, he shot some of his most famous movies, Finding Neverland, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Chocolat, 
Public Enemies and the Pirates of the Caribbean, which is one of his most famous roles that even he said he was overpaid for. He was paid $55 million for the first movie only. So at this point, everything in Johnny's life was steady. No allegations of abuse, no more arrests, no violent behavior, no public outrage about any substance abuse, he wasn't known for having affairs. He wasn't being seen as a dog any longer, somebody having affairs while he was married. Everything seemed steady. And this will be the time when he would meet Amber Heard. So let us speak about her background. Just a quick note here, I try to do the same due diligence, to look for childhood facts, to look for as many descriptions of somebody's personality so that we can have two people know who they are as individuals and who they were once they met and then explore where that relationship went on from that point on. With Amber Heard, I could only find one article that goes into her childhood and everything that I just described I'm looking for. And this article just has some of the most outrageous quotes that don't make much sense to me. So that is it. If you hear something that you're like, what is she saying? That's that. It's the information I could find on the internet. It's not me pulling it out of my ass. So Amber was born on 22nd of April 1986 in Austin in Texas. She was born to her mom Patricia who worked in telecommunications and her dad David who ran a small construction firm. Just like with Johnny, where his mom made more of an impression on his early life, in Amber's life it will be her dad. Her dad was a hunter and a horse broker, and according to this article, he treated his middle daughter, Amber, as the son that he never had. This meant that the bonding activities involved fishing, camping, hunting, everything that he wanted to do with the son, he found in his daughter, Amber. This was further displayed by her dad teaching her how to ride horses. The article says ride horses aggressively. Don't like it, don't want it, we're moving on because I'm uncomfortable. He also taught her how to drive pickup trucks and scare off anybody, especially men, with her shooting skills. Amber would later say that she never dated anybody in high school, that the idea just seemed ridiculous to her because she was always into older men. I tried to dig online for any proof of activism, of her being outspoken on certain issues, whether it is environmental, whether it is societal, within her early life, within the time before she met up with Johnny Depp for the reasons that will become clear as we go along with this story. And the only thing that I could find is a single paragraph in this crazy whirlwind of an article. So I need to read this to you line by line because this is where the article writer believes that Amber Heard's activism stems from. Heard's activism stems from an early age. Her father's company used to employ Hispanic migrants, and this instilled in her a sense of injustice of the plight of those on the Mexican side of the border. At school, Heard appealed against the decision to deny a same-sex couple entry to prom and fought against the uniform policy so she could wear a shorter skirt and remove her jacket. 
She would later explain, it seemed inherently unfair to be told I had to dress a certain way. Why is it my burden what a boy might be distracted? I think there's a word missing there, like what a boy might be distracted with. But hey, this is where her activism stemmed from. I wish I had more information. I'd like to hear about the actions, the steps that were taken, any possible results. Did she manage to convince the school once she appealed to allow for the same-sex couples? Did she actually make any difference when it comes to the immigration and who father employed on this farm? Did her fighting for a shorter uniform at school lead anywhere? But we don't really get that. We just get a really vague description of some signs of activism in her early age. She would go on to credit her experience as a teenager working at a soup kitchen for, quote, intensifying her altruistic drive and she has also undertaken duties for the UN, American Civil Liberties Union, Syrian, American Medical Society, Amnesty International, and Planned Parenthood. She did. She did all of these things since 2018. If you were to Google Amber Heard activism right now, every single thing that she did, she did post-2018, or rather post her divorce from Johnny Depp. So make out of that as you wish. I just wanted to research on that to see was this like an innate need for her to be the next Greta Thunberg, to be the next Malala. And it just seemed like it appeared as an interest at a certain point in her life. When she was 16, something happened in Amber's life that will have a profound effect on her. Her best friend died in a car accident. And after this, despite of being raised as a Roman Catholic, she declared herself as an atheist. At this time, she decided it was time for a change, and she started sending headshots of herself to modeling agencies. You will find different records of her participating in beauty pageants as a child. I couldn't find anything to elaborate more on that. We only really find about her career once she reached Hollywood. So at the age of 17, Amber ended up dropping out of high school, moving to New York, and starting to meet up agents to go into acting roles. She said of the Big Apple of New York, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. With Johnny Depp, we spoke about how music was his initial passion, and that was where he thought his life would lead him to. And then he was discovered as an actor. With Amber, it was actually the opposite. She started off as a model and then realized she doesn't have an interest in modeling, that she wants to go into acting. And the best place to go to once you want to become a famous actor is Hollywood. It is LA. This meant that after completing a home study diploma in New York, she eventually moved to LA to pursue her career in acting, and she began getting cast in film and TV roles. She starred in the American football drama Friday Night Lights, and she also played the younger version of Charlize Theron's character in North Country. That is, according to this article, very important information, a film about sexual harassment, discrimination, and social justice. 
Her big break were two movies from 2008. One was the martial arts drama called Never Back Down, and another one which is a debatably more famous movie, Pineapple Express, where she played Seth Rogen's high school girlfriend. That year she would make her name in Hollywood due to this role, and because she won a Breakthrough Award at a Hollywood Film Festival. Between 2008 and 2012, she was also in a relationship with the photographer and painter Tasia Wan Rhee. Unlike in Johnny Depp's background, we don't know about Amber Heard's relationships, apart from this one that lasted for four years, prior to her starting to date Johnny Depp. I'm not sure if that is because she didn't have any relationships, like long-term public boyfriends, or because they were not famous. Again, not really sure, but she publicly came out in 2010 about her bisexuality. She would actually say on this topic that she doesn't label herself one way or another, and she called out publicists warning her against speaking out about her dating a woman. In the middle of this relationship, in 2009, Amber Heard was arrested for domestic violence after she allegedly grabbed her girlfriend, Van Rie, and hit her arm. The charges would end up being dropped again within a matter of hours or days. According to the TMZ, she appeared in court the next day, and the prosecutor let her go with a warning because both women lived in California at the time, so it wasn't their jurisdiction to try her there. And even her ex-girlfriend would come out publicly saying that the incident was over-sensationalized and called the arresting officers homophobic. But then, from my own research and watching the videos on this topic, I found out that the internet sleuths understood the assignment and looked into this further, and the arresting officer in this case is a publicly gay woman. So, I don't think that this was homophobic, because this woman has a Facebook profile. She is openly gay, but her girlfriend will stand by this statement and will say, in 2009, Amber was wrongfully accused for an incident that was misinterpreted and over-sensationalized by two individuals in a power position. I recount hints of misogynistic attitudes towards us, which later appear to be homophobic when they found out we were domestic partners and not just friends. It's disheartening that Amber's integrity and story are being questioned yet again. Amber is a brilliant, honest, and beautiful woman, and I have the utmost respect for her. We shared five wonderful years together and remain close to this day. Something to bear in mind as we now go to discuss the relationship between Amber and Johnny is that all of their exes would stand by their statements that neither Amber nor Johnny were ever abusive in any form, in their home life, or in public with them. Now, the year is 2011, the set is for the movie The Rum Diary, and this is where Johnny and Amber would finally meet. Johnny, at this point, was 23 years older than Amber, and he will remain to be 23 years older than her at any point in their life, because this is how age works. <sighs> so exhausting living in my brain 24-7. Fun fact, the actresses that were considered for this role in The Rum Diary were Scarlett Johansson and Kira Knightley, 
and Amber was personally chosen by Depp due to one of the chemistry takes that they had. This led to both of them leaving their partners at the end of 2011, beginning of 2012. They were first publicly spotted holding hands at the Rolling Stones concert in 2013. Amber moved into Johnny's house in LA in 2012, and Johnny would still see two of his children on the weekends. And I'd like to tell you that the next sentence here is they lived their happily ever afters, but that is not why I'm here. That is not why this channel exists. So, just a quick recap before we move on, because what we are moving on are 14 different allegations, domestic violence allegations, that Amber Heard will file against her then-husband, Johnny Depp. So, before we speak about the two of them marrying, the prenup, that relationship and marriage, and where that ended in, just a quick recap. So, on one hand, we have Johnny Depp, a famous actor, debatably more famous, more rich than Amber Heard. We learned that he had issues during his childhood, that he copes with any issues surrounding breakups, tough times in relationships, with either outbursts of violence or succumbing to substance abuse and alcohol abuse. Other things we picked up on from his personal life are his close-knit relationship with his mom and the fact that he amicably resolved all of his marriages, all of his previous relationships. All of these women will stand by him, saying that he has never been violent against them. That is a prevalent thing in Johnny Depp's life. He does exhibit violence onto objects. He might throw things around. He might ramage a room. He was twice arrested for his displays of violence, but he has never physically attacked a human. On the other end, we have Amber, somebody whose father was a huge influence in her life, and most probably because of that, she is looking for the same stability, maturity, and that's why she is attracted to older men. And I say that because none of the women that she has dated, including the photographer Van Rie and the women that she will end up dating later, have had that much of an age gap that she had with Johnny Depp. She, quite like Johnny, was in the spotlight from her early age, but more debatably, she knew what she wanted more clearly than Johnny did, and she was fighting for it. She was going to get there by any means necessary. And finally, she had been arrested in the past, actually quite recently as well, but that didn't affect her relationship. Her partner will also stick by her and will later testify on her behalf. But Amber's arrest was to do with actually physically attacking a human. So, there was a domestic violence attack compared to just displays of violence or rummaging a hotel room. When these two individuals met, both of them were working within the career that they wanted to work in. Both of them were in the roles that they wanted to be in. I mean, both of them were really in a relationship that they wanted to be in and then broke those off for one another. And you might say, well, one was clearly less successful than the other, but then you have to take age gap into consideration because Johnny 
had 23 more years to establish his career before Amber was even born. But something to bear in mind is that all of these allegations, all 14 of them, will only be reported by Amber once there was a straw that broke the camel's back and once she will file for a restraining order and for a divorce from Johnny Depp. So just something to bear in mind as we go along, because I will speak about only a few that we have some factual court evidence for, and I'll speak about them in chronological order. We are starting off in 2013. This is when the two of them were still dating, before they were married, and this is when Amber will allege that Johnny was physically violent to her for the first time. The only thing I could find about this allegation is that it came about as they were casually chatting about that tattoo that Johnny had of Winona Ryder's name. That he had eventually changed from Winona Forever to Wino Forever once they split. And apparently Johnny was so upset by her bringing up the conversation about the tattoo and its change that he slapped Amber three times. I haven't been able to find any photographic evidence to support this or any actual physical evidence proving this and apparently Amber let this one slide because in September of 2015 she was seen showcasing the engagement ring. Before we can even dive in to talk about their marriage and all of the allegations that Amber heard exposed during that marriage, we need to talk about a prenup. For those of you who absolutely do not care about this part, I'd say you're missing out because it displays a great showcase of her character and who she really was. But if you don't care about this timestamp, if you want to go straight towards the allegations, go ahead. This does include one of them as well, though. To summarize this timestamp, there was no prenup signed. There were documents ready, and according to Amber, they sent them to somebody, but that person never did their job. And this should have been one of the first red flags. All of the alarm bells should have been ringing in everybody's head, especially Johnny Depp and his own team. But unfortunately, that didn't happen, and this will cause an avalanche of things later, because there will be a post-snub and nothing ended up being signed in the end. The second big allegation against Johnny that Amber will speak about happened during a private flight. And according to, well, Amber, it happened over a prenup, but then during the court testimony she changed her mind a couple of times, saying that it actually happened because Johnny was accusing her of having affair with her co-star at the time, James Franco. Apparently, Johnny was surprised that she took this role and agreed to make a movie with James Franco because she previously described him as creepy and making aggressive sexual advances towards her. And on the flight, this fight escalated and Johnny would end up screaming, calling her a go-getter slut and a whore. And in the blind rage, he kicked her in the back. And once she tried to walk away from him, he slapped her across the face. When she discussed this in court in 2020, I will put the court documents on the screen, she would say it didn't become physical on the plane, it got physical in the hotel room, when he shoved me, and everything else proceeded in the closet. 
So when she was questioned if the row was over a prenup, she said it wasn't. But this whole questioning on the stand was about the prenup. Her saying that she will sign whatever she needs to sign. Her saying that she's happy to sign a postnup. That she even hired an attorney to do so. That they wrote a draft, sent it back and forth, and sent it to Johnny's team. And that she started this discussion on the plane, but instead that discussion led to him accusing her of having an affair with James Franco. As you can see, just even from this excerpt from the court documents, this is part of Amber's character, how she answers questions, how she answers interviews, depositions, press conferences. Well, at least when it comes to this case, at least when it comes to the allegations, because I have watched other interviews of her speaking about upcoming movies on James Corden, on Jamie Kimmel, you know, and she seems to be a lot more natural in those instances. Yes, this is definitely a different kind of topic. It is definitely a stressful environment. But exactly because of that, exactly because of the nature of these allegations, you would expect her to answer straightforward, in a straightforward manner, with certainty, without questioning these details, without questioning why the fight would have started. So when they continue chatting about prenup, eventually they ask her, did it get signed? And according to Amber, it was somebody else's fault that it wasn't signed, because considerable amount of people in his life were concerned about it, but she did hire a lawyer, they drafted it, they sent it, and she did everything she could to make sure that they would be able to get married at this time. What I mean by at this time, for some reason, maybe because the wedding was in Bahamas, but it was at his private house in Bahamas in February 2015, but for some reason the wedding had to happen then and there. It couldn't have been postponed for them to discuss this prenup thing. So the prenup just never happened, and according to Johnny Depp, she was the one who avoided it. According to Johnny, she was unwilling to sign the prenup, and then the lawyers, his lawyers, chased after her later to sign the postnup, but she will never end up signing any of those documents. Something to bear in mind as we go along is that since they got married in February 2015, the marriage will only last for 13 months. Now, I know that they were together since they broke it off in 2012, but Amber would not come forward with any allegations of abuse, even though she lived with Johnny for the past three years, prior to this period of time, prior to the prenup that was never signed and prior to her getting married. Doesn't have to mean much if you are a domestic violence survivor. There are abusers that are super nice to you until they get you, until you have no escape. Because what Amber will say about the prenup as well is that Johnny was actually unwilling, and that's why it wasn't signed, right? It was one of his lawyers. But that also, she repeats this on the down low, constantly, that he would say the only way out of this is death. So I suppose if you are supporting Amber Heard, if you think that she was actually abused during this relationship, that you can take this differently. That maybe he was showcasing his best side and then everything went downhill during this marriage. 
Well, because he was to ensure that she wasn't to profit out of it if the marriage was to end, and if you believe Amber, that she wasn't supposed to make it out alive. In 2015, Johnny Depp would also come out in an interview, I believe it was for the Rolling Stones, saying that he has been sober for about 18 months. But somehow that won't last for long, because as soon as they got married, a month later, he would go on to a three-day bender on ecstasy. And this is when he was supposedly sober. Amber would say that he would often not remember the delusional, the violent conduct after he would come out of this bender or his medicated states. That she stayed with him because she loved him, because she believed in the multiple promises that he could and would get better. There are multiple images online that Amber has taken of Johnny Depp being passed out, drunk, or medicated. Some of them with his ice cream melting in his lap. And interestingly so, there's no vice versa. I wasn't able to find pictures of Amber passed out on alcohol or drugs, even though, as we will learn soon, both of them would go on benders. Both of them would engage in taking drugs and alcohol. Yet one of them seemed to be taking these pictures, and I cannot think of any other reason but to emotionally blackmail this person after. Because why else would you be taking pictures of your husband, of your loved one, in these embarrassing positions, he passed out with the ice cream melting in his crotch, if not to show him the next day and be like, look how ridiculous you look, like, it's disgusting, when will it stop? and then never delete them, in fact, use them in court to further embarrass this person later. Amber will say that this will just continue and escalate, and that in May 2014, Johnny began heavily drinking, and on another private flight, he again verbally abused her, he knocked her to the ground, and then he went inside of a toilet where he passed out for the rest of the flight. During the court proceedings, Amber would get questioned about her own drug abuse. Was she drinking and was she abusing drugs with Johnny? Because everything really in this relationship is him declining, losing to his sobriety, starting to take drugs, becoming heavily dependent on them. And whether or not she did anything to help, was this part of the abuse? Was this him trying to get her dependent on those drugs so that she can go on binges with him together? Or was it just her being a bystander, taking pictures of him while he's in these states and not really doing much to help? So Johnny Depp testified that she was a regular slash heavy drug user. She's saying that's not true. The only instances when she drank more than him was during the brief periods when he was sober. And if he was sober, then to be respectful, she would always check with him that it's okay for her to drink wine in front of him. Which, like, is this a double negation? Why are you drinking when he's sober? when he's dependent on alcohol, makes absolutely zero sense. A couple of quotes that she made during the trial. During our relationship, I would say that I could count the number of times I attempted to smoke marijuana on two hands. 
Usually when it's few times, people say on the fingers of one hand, but sure, two hands, so what, up to ten? Alright, I did not take cocaine at all when I was with Johnny. I have taken MDMA or mushrooms a handful of times with friends. I do like to drink wine, but I don't like to get drunk. I rarely drink to an extent that would get me past what I would characterize as tipsy. I took MDMA and mushrooms on my birthday trip to Coachella, following the night prior to my, to the trip, which was the night I celebrated my birthday party. According to Amber, she wasn't dependent on the drugs, the alcohol that she was taking. Everybody that was a witness to her taking large amounts of drugs and alcohol, sometimes being even more drunk than he was, was lying, including the medical professionals, because they don't bear the fault. He told them of the states that she was in, so he is to blame. 2015 comes around, and this is the year with the most of the allegations. Starting off with their trip to Australia in March, where between March the 3rd and the 5th, Amber Heard will claim that she was in what she called three-day hostage situation, where Johnny Depp went on one of his benders, where he would be taking drugs, he would take cocaine, he would be drinking spirits, and during these three days, he would physically and verbally abuse Amber. According to Johnny, he was having a phone call conversation with his lawyers, yet another phone call about the post-snap about the post-nuptial agreement. She overheard it, lost it, threw a vodka bottle at him, and severed the tip of his finger. Amber told of a different account of events. According to her, she didn't initiate no fight. It was actually Johnny Depp that broke that vodka bottle by himself and then threatened her with it. He put a broken bottle against her. She thought he was actually going to headbutt her with it, with a sharp glass. And according to her, then he grabbed her by the hair, hurled her around, she fell on the table, he collapsed under her and then flipped them around and ended up on top of her. There was broken glass everywhere because of the broken vodka bottle, and this is when he grabbed her by the neck, smashing her head against the fridge, swearing at her, and while he's doing that, her feet are getting cut on that broken glass. In the next paragraph, when she first gave this statement, she said that there was a phone that was also smashed next to the fridge. At some point, he apparently picked his phone up and then smashed it against the wall next to her, right next to her face. He smashed it so many times that the phone was smashed to pieces. She never saw at what moment his fingertip was severed, but she said she had been able to go through those memories in her head, and that was her best guess as to how it got severed. Let us regroup, because this is one of the allegations that I struggled most with, understanding it, making a grasp out of it, visualizing it, because I am quite a visual person, I want to manage to imagine how this might have happened in order to see whether, you know, it is plausible or not. So, according to Johnny, she threw a vodka bottle at him and that was what cut his finger. After this, I will post pictures, they will be blurred, but he actually had to go into surgery. He had to have his fingertip 
reattached. And even then, he was flown back to the US. He would get that area infected. You think like, oh, it's just a finger. Well, this was a serious injury. It had to be reattached. It would get infected. He also had to put like a pin, kind of like a replacement thing before the operation. The 400-member crew, because I think this was the sequel for Pirates of the Caribbean that he was in Australia for, had to be on stand-down for a month to wait for him to recover. So I'm mentioning this because of where this attack proceeds in Amber's allegations. According to Amber, this was a more violent attack that took place over a couple of days. There are pictures on the internet supporting it. There is apparent blood splatter, smashed window in the kitchen. There is a clump of her hair on the floor. There is that broken vodka bottle, as she says. I couldn't find pictures of a smashed phone, though, so maybe he brought it with himself back into the US. Where this story is going from this point on is that Emperor will say, after his fingertip was cut, right, he had to have it reattached. Apparently, he was in so much pain. According to Johnny, he went through a breakdown. Like, immediately, the emergency services, the ambulance was called and he was transported into the hospital. According to Ember's account of events, he left a message, or two rather, on the mirror in the toilet before he went off to the hospital. One of the messages said, starring Billy Bob, Easy Ember, referring to her supposed affair with an actor called Billy Bob Thornton, the guy that plays Santa in everything. And the second message will say, call Carly Simon, she said it better, babe. And this is reference to a song that's called You're So Vain. Johnny will say that this was written by Amber once he went into the hospital. According to Amber, this was written in Johnny's blood. This has me so stressed. This has me actually stressed. Because this is the crime scene that has so much potential for just somebody to collect evidence to actually explain to us what the hell is going on, because there are pictures of her bruised face. That is why I struggle with it, because you have to visualize these kind of things. Why is the hair on the floor? Does the hair to you look like it was clamped from its roots? Because to me, it doesn't. To me, it looks like if I was just to clamp like my dreads before I was to cut it, or like if I was to clear my hairbrush. But then the bruises on the face make me believe that if I was to actually visualize this, do I visualize it as a domestic abuse attack? Or, again, do you visualize it as somebody inflicting those bruises on herself? In which case, that is not the most sane person out there. And then we have that mirror which doesn't support her story, and that is the part that I find insane. The red thing, first of all, it couldn't have been that much blood for him to what, stay around and write a message, think about it while he's losing blood, and like use the tip of his already broken finger to write a message, to have enough blood, if it's already running out of his finger, to write a bloody message. It looks like lipstick. What is the black thing if not, like, 
a pencil eyeliner, probably not eyeliner, probably like the eye pencil because the black thing isn't blood. So how is that explained? I don't find it explained anywhere. I don't find anybody collecting actual evidence, trying to do the Dexter kind of thing. Where was the blood splatter? Was there enough to support any of it? Or was it blood from Johnny Depp's finger? There is one story that makes more sense here and it drives me insane. I struggle with it as a woman, as somebody who wants to believe other women when they claim that they have been abused. And it's not even about what I want to believe. It is about how you can visualize this in a way where it makes sense, in a way where you don't want to see this person as somebody framing another person. You don't want to see them as somebody using a lipstick and their makeup to write up some message that will mean something to them on the wall while he's in a hospital being transported and flown to another country to go for an operation. Not to mention the actual thing of her leaving the hair behind to prove that this was how the attack went by and whether or not she actually inflicted those bruises on herself. This is why I struggle with this case so much because the story that makes sense also shouldn't make sense because it portrays her as a person that isn't sane. And another thing that I notice from the comments that people leave on these videos that have been victims, survivors of domestic abuse, is that the way she talks about it, the way she changes the story, the way she doesn't remember the details, isn't the typical behavior of a victim. Isn't the typical behavior of somebody going through something like this. You would remember every single detail. And in this particular case, during these three days in Australia, as much as this is my point of contention where I struggle the most with the level of bruises and the pictures of the crime scene, technically, also I struggle to find the reason why she wouldn't use it not in her favor, because she did use it in her favor, but why didn't she get the police to get her the evidence? Why didn't she go to the emergency herself to finally, because he's being flown out, the abuser is gone, she can finally make her case. She can get them to examine her bruises. She will claim that the facial ones weren't everything, that she was cut and bruised, that this was torture for three days. So why not get them to picture the whole of her body, to have some evidence to then go to the US, submit divorce papers and get it over with because this is her time to get actual physical proof, physical evidence. And she just doesn't. And that's the part that I just, I just can't deal with. So after this, his finger is reattached. They return to the US and in March, that same month, she will claim yet another domestic violence allegation. And this time she will claim that she was defending her sister. As mentioned, this incident happened in March of 2015 as well. And according to Amber, she believed that Johnny was about to push her sister down the stairs. So she got in between them and this is when she would, for the first time, admit that she hit him, but it was in self-defense. She would later say that she did hit him with a closed fist, but that this was only after he struck both of them. She'd say, I will never forget it. It was the first time after all these years that I actually struck him back. 
Her sister will be there to support this account of events. Amber will have a bruise to show for it, and so will Johnny. And here is when both of them really start just taking pictures of themselves after each and every supposed attack. Just like with every story that Amber says, this one, in hindsight, doesn't make too much sense. And this is why. Because she says she will never forget about this incident. Because as Johnny was about to push her sister down the stairs, and the moment before it happened, she remembers the information she heard once about Johnny pushing his former girlfriend, Kate Moss, down the stairs. So, Johnny's lawyer in trial asks her why this allegation never came up before, where the hell did she pull this out of, and she says, I've not had the liberty of time or space or energy, even to list every thought that crossed my mind. Then why mention it? Then why mention it? But also, does anybody else find it strange that this is the thought that crossed her mind? Not, like, protecting her sister at all costs, making sure she doesn't fall down the stairs. Why is this what pops into her head then? And why didn't she state that it popped into her head then? Rather, she states it out of her ass during her trial testimony. I just get heated with how she tells the stories, which is also why so many people believe that she isn't telling truthful accounts of events. In April of 2015, we have them going back to Australia. So, I think this is after the operation. He went back to the shoot. And this is when they brought their two dogs along with them, Pistol and Boo. And according to the Australian laws, they committed a crime here because the dogs had been snuck into the country aboard a private jet that was unknown to customs officials. Basically, they didn't declare the dogs, you know, how you have to declare the goods as you go into the country, well, you have to declare your pets. So, instead of them being fined or, like, punished in any way, they were made to make a public apology and post it online. And this was that, like, jokey apology that circulated the internet about them saying how very sorry they are. It lasts for about 60 seconds. You can kind of see, like, they're taking a piece. Now we come to May and to yet another big allegation that we are going to talk about that was spoken of in courts. And this is the 20th of May, 2015. Johnny Depp just found out that his mom, that he was really close with, had died. And he also found out that he lost a ton of money, over half a million dollars of money from Pirates of the Caribbean and was left owing $100 million in taxes on account of the business managers. So, he suspected somebody was stealing from him, somebody that worked under him. The day that this has happened, Amber decided to record this video of him kicking off.
Yeah, you're right. I just woke up and you were so sweet and nice. We're not even fighting this morning. All I did was say sorry. Did something happen to you this morning? I don't think so. No, that's the thing. You want to see crazy? I'll give you something crazy. Oh, you're crazy. I'm not going to tell you how to perceive this video. Are you going to see it as Amber, a victim of domestic violence, desperately trying to get something, anything on him? And it just happened to be on the day that he lost his mom and also lost a ton of money and he's clearly coping by drinking as it's visible on the camera. I'm just giving you the context for you to make a decision whether or not you see this as her being a victim of domestic violence or her trying to record this video in a calculated way on the day that she knows that some behavior like this will be perceived as violent, even though it isn't violent towards her, even though people might not understand the context, and even though there is no other footage, there's no further footage of Johnny Depp displaying any violence again towards her. And even though she walks away from it completely nonchalantly, kind of even smiling, laughing in the end. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this is the behavior that I would approve of my significant other, of my husband. If this was ever to have happened, it would have been a one-time occasion. And I would personally try to do everything in my power to get out of that situation, to get out of that marriage. Apparently, this was nothing out of the ordinary, because this is still 2015. The two of them are far from getting divorced. So this was just a normal day from how Amber even exits this video at the Depp household. Now that we have enough material, let me just briefly touch upon the profile, the characteristics of domestic abusers, if you wish, because we have enough to grasp on it for you to be able to make these decisions on your own. And as we know, this story is just gonna go even further south from here. But I am, if YouTube allows me, copyright-wise, going to play a significant recording of the relationship. If it doesn't allow me, I'll put it in the description box so that you can play it for yourself. But this recording is really crucial because Amber, as I previously mentioned, will confess to her hitting him on multiple occasions as well. And it's how she talks to him during this recording that struck the nerve with millions of people really around the world and it might make you believe and make a decision whether or not she is the abuser or whether or not he is. 
A couple of things to know about domestic abusers is that they are the experts of deceit, that they will not show the violent side to the public and to anybody else, really, only to their victims. They typically have low self-esteem, intense insecurity, inability to trust others, and denial of fault of their own behavior. This is displayed through constant criticism, belittling the other person, verbal abuse and threats, isolation and control of contact with family and friends. In this aspect, even if you are to believe that one or the other is a domestic abuser, I think this one doesn't apply to any of those people, mostly because of the lifestyles they're leading, because they are public figures, they have different shoots, shoot for different movies, have to be at different locations at times, and don't necessarily ever seem possessive one over the other. Intimidation, controlling and coercive behavior, denial of privacy, control of finances, and destruction of personal and valued property and possessions. An abuser often denies the existence or minimizes the seriousness of the violence and its effect on the victim and other family members. They blame the violence on circumstances such as stress, their partner's behavior, a bad day, on alcohol, drugs, and other factors. It is never, ever their fault. That being said, there was a two-hour conversation on 26th of September 2015 between Amber and Johnny. Apparently, they were going through therapy. I'm not sure if this was couple counseling or what kind of therapy it was. But by mutual agreement, they recorded some of their conversations to assist with therapy. And this particular conversation will be released to the courts. I wouldn't, even if I don't manage to place the bits of the call that I deem important, recommend you listen to the whole hour of it, unless you actually have an hour of free time, in which case, go for it. The way I would describe the call as a whole is that Ember starts off confrontational. She starts off with the accusatory reproaches against him and his behavior. You barely really hear Johnny talk throughout most of that call, and when he does, it is in a calm tone of voice. Her arguments make her sound like she's five years old, and Johnny just takes it, tries to defuse the situation. Until one point, I'd say at like about 40 minutes in, it kind of seems like she has changed the tone of voice. For example, in the first half of the call, she will admit to throwing pots, pans, vases, and cans at Johnny. She will admit to starting fights, hitting him, and then mocking him, calling him a baby, basically gaslighting him, saying that the bodyguards had to come to his rescue. You never are the one to come and knock on my door. You take me for granted. It's not true. Not true. I'm not the one who fucking throws fucking pots and that's different. That's different. Else at me. That's different. That's one does not negate the other. That's irrelevant. It's a complete non sequitur. Just because I throw pots and pens does not mean that you Face come and knock on the door. Just because there are vases does not mean that you come and knock on the door. Really, I should just let you throw. I'm not saying that. You're saying that. You're putting words in my mouth and then making no, non sequiturs. I'm giving you a situation. No, you're trying to justify how you don't or do come to the door no, based I'm on whether I throw pots and pans. It's irrelevant. No, I'm justifying how you, you, you 
seem to think that there's this cowardice in me that runs away and I don't fight for you. And you're justifying that by saying I throw pots and pans? Okay, cool. Let's no, talk about everything you do wrong. I'm not the one who fucking did that. I don't fucking... I didn't... So that makes so that makes sense. So that I... That's no. clear, yeah. Do I, do I, the only time I ever threw anything at you was when you fucking are you, threw the cans at me in Australia. Why are you trying to justify who throws things based because on whether that, or not you come knocking on the door? Don't because that is a fucking irrational and violent fucking maneuver. How so a man would want to get out of that area so that he doesn't get so fucking angry that he actually does pop the fucking wife. How does one inform the other? Oh, man. Um, it's so fucking pointless, and you know it, to say you're going to fight about fucking whatever you think happened with Trotty. This wasn't no. a conversation. Listen, we I was not lying. I'm not going to. You lied. To. You're an asshole. You're fucking full of shit. What lie? When? Hmm? What conversation did I have with Travis? I have big, big investigative study you've done. I'm not sitting here no, fighting with you about the, with the fight that After we had last night. After you fucking got physically violent with me, I texted Traps. I said, come up here. Because no, I didn't want anything to happen. I mean, yeah. Come on, come and watch, save me. No, go ahead, continue. You, you, you. Traps, to the rescue. No, that, no, that was the last one. You can go, uh, you go. And then during the next half of this call, her tone of voice changes, she's a lot calmer. He says that if things get physical, they will need to separate, and she's just like, no, we don't. But also she can't promise him that she will never get physical again. And the call is finalized with her telling him to help her realize once she gets crazy. So she is again saying that he needs to help her. And this switch is portrayed by people who analyze this call as her projecting and also as her just, again, trying to move in the same way that domestic abusers try confrontationally, but then they switch it around. They try to make you to stay, to realize how great your relationship is with them. And beyond that, to get you to help them to change, because they can change. Focusing on something, but if it's a major thing to me, and it is a major... If things get physical, we have to separate. We have to be apart from one another. Whether it's for fucking an hour, or ten hours, or fucking a day, we must. There can be no physical violence. I can't promise you that I'll be perfect. I can't promise you I won't get physical again. God, I fucking sometimes get so mad. I lose it. I can fucking promise you I'm gonna do everything to change. I would go, you didn't come home last night. I feel like I have nothing to hang on to. There's semblance of marriage or commitment or stability. I mean, if I can just get up and walk away and spend the night somewhere else. Obviously, can. Yeah, but believe you, believe it's done if I do that. That's that's it's not marriage. You, we talked about it. You know why I left. I do know why you left. You. I'm saying now that I won't do the same thing. 
I'm gonna have the, I'm, the, the will not do that. I will not fucking leave until until some rational decision is made. If it's the end, it's the end. If it's the fucking, if we can keep going, we'll keep going. But yeah, honestly, I promise. After listening to this call, seeing the array of bruises on both ends, I'd like to ask you a question, because by this point, if you are siding with Amber Heard and you think that she is a victim, you probably won't change your mind by the end of this video. And that's fine, we can have differing opinions. As I told you, I have struggled, especially with the trip to Australia, to justify to myself, to rationalize the injuries that I have seen in the pictures to myself, and still think that that is the biggest contention point for me. But the question that I have for you is, if by the end of this video you believe Johnny Depp is an abuser, why isn't she one? Why aren't they both? Because that is a different question that I said at the beginning of the video that I came into this with, and the one that I'm leaving it with. Why are you only seeing him as an abuser when he had the bruises, he had to have an operation for his finger that was supposedly inflicted by her? Well, in this case, you probably believe it is inflicted by him trying to injure Amber. But after this call, you heard her say she admits to throwing things at him, to losing it, to punching him herself. So she admits to some form of physical violence herself. So how aren't both of them abusers in this case? Because as I told you, it isn't as black and white. And by the end of this video, the question, rather statement that I would have, is that it isn't so much for me proving that Amber Heard is an abuser, it is the lack of evidence to prove that he isn't. Because that is really where this case will end up standing with me. Now, I spoiled the rest of this video. But sure, it is just another allegation that we will have to discuss. Well, rather, a bit of an event. And then the allegation. Did we come to the event, Maya? Oh, God. Not yet. There is another allegation that is supported by actual video evidence. So, 2015 still isn't over in this video. On December the 16th, and we know the date because on December the 17th, Amber Heard was to appear on James Corden Late Show. I think this was for Aquaman. I think it was Jason Momoa next to her. Yeah, yeah. I think this was for Aquaman press tour. So, the night before, Amber claimed that Johnny threw a decanter at her in their penthouse, that he headbutted her. Again, headbutting is apparently a pattern here. That he pulled large chunks of her hair from her scalp. And the judge in court, I will tell you how they ruled on the allegations that I'm speaking about during this video later on, but on this particular allegation, the judge will end up ruling that the argument wasn't just a verbal, that it became physical, concluding that on this allegation, they agree that Johnny Depp assaulted her. Johnny would say that their foreheads might have clashed and that he tried to grab her arms to prevent her from hitting him. 
He said he wasn't violent to her in any way and that he didn't intend to headbutt her. The next day, she still appeared completely normal. I listened to the interview on James Corden and people will later argue. You know, all of the tabloids will say her face was caked up, she's covering the bruises with the makeup. And then other people in court that will give testimonies were makeup artists, people who would follow her during her press tour that would say that they have never, ever witnessed any bruises that had to be covered by makeup. Like, she had a professional team that would do this for her. We are finally out of 2015, at least in this story, but we are not out of the woods yet, because the question of the April in 2016 is... And I wish, I wish with all of my might that I was joking. The question is, who shat on the bed? Okay, I will try not to waste too much time on this, because some of you will be like, how is this prevalent to the story? It isn't one of the allegations. I think it showcases somebody's character in this story, and I think there's a lot of misinformation about it on the internet. The story goes like this. There is a woman, now let me state the legend's name, because she is the real victim, number one victim in this freaking story, the housekeeper called Hilda Vargas, okay? I beg of you, if you have housekeeper, if you have maids of any origin, of any background, respect the shit out of them, but Latino maids deserve special respect in their life, just for the shit that they go through, and that they have to go through for some reason, for the reason of them getting paid and just going through life. So, Hilda Vargas comes to clean the house, as she usually would, and she goes to make the bed where Depp and Herd are sleeping. And as she sort of, like, pulls the sheet up, you know, to, like, straighten the corners, all of that, she discovers what she will later describe as human turd, as shit, that didn't come from one of the dogs. So, she snaps a picture of it to later, I don't know, show to people, to be like, look at the people that are in the house, to show to Amber, because she would speak to her and be like, hey, so, maybe the dog had an accident, even though from the get-go she didn't believe that this was dog shit. And Amber just said like, oh yeah, that was one of the dogs, and then uh, just moved on, made her clean the shit off the bed. So, according to Amber, this isn't human shit, and also dogs have arms. I don't know what to tell you, because how does a dog take a shit and then conceal it with a bed cover, you know, after he's done? He makes sure, he opens up the bed cover, takes a fucking shit, and then conceals it. What are we saying? What the hell are we saying? So, why I'm mentioning it is because Amber will say that Johnny took the picture of this in order to embarrass her the way that she would take pictures of him. But this isn't true because it was the maid in the first place. Johnny found out and later it will be discovered that this happened on the night of Amber's birthday celebration. So they were happening in the house and according to Johnny, as a prank, Amber asked her friend to poop on their bed. Make it make sense, it's human shit regardless, it's not dog's poop, and it will somehow make it to the evidence in court with this lady, the housekeeper, flying to London to give a testimony of how she was 
a freaking victim who had to clean human shit off the bed. It's at best childish behavior, the level of a prank that even David Dobrik wouldn't succumb to, but apparently Amber Heard did. Whether it was a prank or not, doesn't matter, it just shows you the character, what they're ready to do in order to embarrass somebody else, to call them a child, a coward, somebody who might need to be saved from human shit by calling a maid or calling his security guards to claim that she is the crazy one. So, the night of her birthday, April 21st, 2016, she would later testify in court. She celebrated it with her friends at the residence. As everybody was preparing to leave, Johnny finally showed up and he was drunk and high. All of her guests would end up leaving and the two of them had a discussion about how he didn't show up for her birthday celebrations. He would end up throwing a magnum-sized bottle of champagne at the wall and a wine glass on her and the floor. He would then proceed to grab her by the shoulders, push her onto the bed and block the bedroom door. Then he grabbed her by the hair, violently shoving her onto the floor. As he was doing this, he was also screaming and threatening, taunting her to stand up. After a few minutes, it seems like he got a kick out of it and he just stood up and left. And the next sentence says, I did not see Johnny again for another month. Here is something that I said why these two, whoever you believe is a domestic abuser, necessarily isn't one. That term should not have been used, in my opinion. I mean, how else do you call them? Because the two of them are married, they're in a partnership, they live together. I get that. But it is, again, up for a debate as to why didn't she leave? Why didn't she submit the divorce papers? If this is what happens on her birthday, why does she go ask her friend to shit on the bed or she shits on the bed. Why is this the rational thought process in this case? And yes, the same applies with Johnny. Why at this point, if they can live separately on different shoots, living different lives for about a month, they are clearly in a toxic relationship, but again, have enough time that they spend separate from each other, why don't they just break up? You let me know if you know the answer to that question. I personally don't. I just know that because they didn't, there is one last delegation that we have to speak about. And that happened when they saw each other next time, on May the 21st, 2016. She arrived to her home with two of her friends and one of the friends' fiancé. And as soon as she arrived, Johnny, according to Amber, threw the phone at her as hard as he could, hitting her in the face. She claims he then grabbed her by the hair, she started screaming for help. According to Amber, they were in a penthouse and there was an adjacent apartment, so she texts one of those friends that were at the same location, just like next room and couldn't hear this, apparently, she texts her friend to come to help her. She would be the person to take the pictures of the bruises on Amber Heard's face that night, and she said she has taken dozens of pictures of her and her bruises during their friendship. Before this friend called Rachel even managed to come over, Johnny continued to just rant, to speak incoherently, 
and he demanded for the two of them to call a mutual friend of theirs in order to prove that apparently he was paranoid and irrational about some delusional idea that he was having. Now, this phone call went to speakerphone, so this mutual friend wasn't picking up. So, Johnny ripped the cell phone from Amber's hand and started screaming and insulting her. He then grabbed her cell phone and, as if he was a baseball pitcher, he threw it at her, striking her cheek and her eye with great force. This was followed by Amber covering her face. She started crying because of the pain of the phone hitting her. And according to her, Johnny charged at her, trying to see her face, thinking that she is bluffing it, thinking that he didn't even hit her. Now, in all of this mess, remember the phone went to speakerphone, so Amber didn't hang up. Rather, this is when she started screaming, call 911, because she thought if the phone survived, her friend on the other end of the line might be able to hear her. And she's saying as she's screaming this, Johnny is screaming at her, pulling her hair, striking at her violently, grabbing her face. This is when her friend enters the penthouse. As she enters, Johnny is distracted because he sees somebody enter the penthouse and Amber runs. But as soon as he notices she is running, he charges at her. So now they're at the different side of that room with her friend Raquel standing in between the two of them begging Johnny to stop. This is when he sort of slapped away Raquel's arms and retrieved going for that smashed bottle, slamming everything on the counter with it. After he smashed all of the glass in the house, he stormed at Amber again, demanding that she gets up and stands. After he did this for about 10 times, just threateningly screaming at her, his security team entered the penthouse, and according to Amber, they didn't do anything. They were just standing and observing. Finally, Johnny went down the hallway, smashing another bottle, and then went into this adjoining apartment that Amber used as her office, painting studio and closet, and she could hear him destroying items of her property. And this is when her friend Raquel finally took her into that apartment where she was staying on the premises, and they called the police. Johnny told a different story. He said that he went to the penthouse to get some of his belongings that night, and that he actually brought two of his security guards because he was concerned about what she might do and how this might be perceived in the future. He said he tossed the phone on the sofa, that the phone didn't even remotely hit Amber. According to him, she then started yelling at him after he walked across the room, and that's when the security guards came in and she started crying. He would go on later to say that Amber's injured face and all of the smashed glass in the kitchen also weren't caused by him, that him and the security guards left, Amber was still fine, and there was no chaos, nothing was smashed. And his version is partially supported by the officers who came to the scene. So, LAPD officers responded to the 911 call, and this officer called Melissa Science testified later in court that Amber refused to give her name. So, in the beginning, she didn't even realize that these were famous people who Amber was, what her relationship was with Johnny Depp, until weeks later. She said Amber was crying, but she personally didn't see any marks, bruises, swellings, or signs of injuries on her face. 
She inspected the apartment and she saw no signs of shattered glass or broken items. And according to the officer, Ember was also repeatedly shaking her head in response to questions, didn't want to talk, and she had no probable cause to believe a crime had been committed. When she was sitting on the stand in the courtroom in 2020, being asked about this, Ember would respond as this. I had injuries to my face. You see that. That was not the question. The question that they have asked her was that she was seen by a number of people without any injury at all. So she asked them to repeat the question. They do. She replies again. She did have injuries to her face. So the prosecutor asks her, so they're all lying, are they? To which she says, I'm not prepared to call people a liar. It is not why I'm here. I'm just here to tell the truth of what happened. I was there. Now I'm going to play a video that was analyzed by so many body language analysts. If, again, copyright issues allow, if not, I will put it in the description box. And this is from her deposition. She seems unbothered. She is recounting the details of one of the most traumatic events of her life. She just doesn't seem like she wants to be there. There's a snack on the table as she's making this press conference. I don't know who puts snacks on the table. So, of course, all of the difficult questions she manages to avoid by putting a bite just at that very moment. And then she's talking through her mouth like, get a grip get the grip has not been gotten during this story. So let me just play and then we'll comment on certain parts of it. Honey, you hit me, you hit me in the eye, my eye, my eye, and I start crying and I, uh, he approaches me and I don't know, um, if he, if I, in here feeling him approach, uh, anticipate to try to get up, or if I help him help me up, or if he just did it all by grabbing my hair, but for some reason, uh, I mean, I had some aid in getting up off the couch um, by him grabbing my um, head, uh, mostly on my right side, like a, the impact of which was significant in and of itself. He grabs my um, grab, uh, grabs my head, um, takes a fistful of my hair and says, I hit your eye, I hit your eye, hold on, let me see your eye, let me see, let me see your eye, what if I pull your hair back? And he yanks my head back and he's, I don't know, smacking my face or moving my face or, and he's got me by the hair and, um, it's hard to describe. It's yanking me inside the side with my with my hair. Are you standing up at this time? Yeah. Okay. And has he uh, pulled out any hair from your head? I, I he's still holding on to my head. Okay. At this time, and he said, um, I don't know if he's trying to grab my face or if he's hitting my face or oh, I don't know what's happening, but he's yelling at me. He's screaming uh, about. Uh, about my about let's see how hard I hit you and um and I and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Okay. 
According to the comment that I have seen on this video from a victim of domestic violence, they said, I can 100% tell you that you don't say stuff like I guess or maybe or I think or I don't know while telling your story. Trust me, every single detail sticks in your head. This is referring to Amber describing how he approached her, which side of the head he is going to grab, is he going to slap her, where the phone is, how she is actually dealing with this situation. If I was to recommend a single video, it would be Observe by Logan, as you know, because I mention it every single time. If you do believe that there is something to body analyst techniques, According to him, she does a lot of self-soothing gestures during these interviews. She does a lot of blocking gestures where either she's eating or actively covering her mouth or sort of like moving her hands in such a way where the microphone that's on her shirt is getting covered as well. There's a lot of attempts at pretend crying according to these body analyst videos. And then it seems like she is intentionally eating over the moments where they're asking her the hard questions, because there are plenty of them that she answers completely fine without her going for that snack. There's a lot of displays of lack of concern, her leaning her head on her hand, just no interest of her being there. So again, when you see this, you can see displays of her being upset. You might believe that she is telling an actual story. Or you might think that she is thinking of these things on the go. That maybe there is some truthfulness to this. My main problem with this, yet again, is nobody mentions that she looks like she's out of it. For me, it looks like she's on something. Because yet again, I've seen her interviews because of this research, not because I'm a fan. Just let me make that clear. On, like, late-night shows. And she looks a lot more natural. Like, she has the quirky moments where it seems like maybe she isn't, like, super comfortable. But there isn't, like, stumbling over words like this. And yes, this is a traumatic event that she's describing. But yet again, this is her deposition. This is going to be used in court. Like, isn't this the time and the place where your lawyer prepare you to answer for every single detail, where you need to remember every single thing, and you want to do it. You want this to be the strongest thing ever, because it is to be used against your supposed abuser. I don't know, you can again choose which way you want to see it. For comparison, this is Johnny Depp recounting the events from Australia that happened after which he had to undergo his operation on his finger. Oh, um, she, she smashed, uh, she threw a vodka bottle at me and my, my hand was uh, resting on the marble of the bar like that and the first bottle went just past my ear and the second one was a larger bottle and she threw it from about this distance and smashed into the bar which, and, and this 
this figure, who I now call Little Richard, uh, um, was was uh, the, the the tip of the figure was severed, and the the all the all the bone in here was uh, completely shattered. I mean, it's, it looked like Vesuvius. And then I got infections. I, I, I ended up with MRSA twice, so it's very complicated. I was trying to just get the finger back, you know. According to body language analyst Logan here, he was a bit confused with the smirk. He said this might be the forced positivity in a negative situation, which is something he does during the interviews, which is what the person that um, published this video also posted as a commentary. But he gives crucial details, he describes them in a way where the story is believable, it makes sense. There's sequence, there's timeline to it, which usually displays signs of somebody being honest. Could it be that he's a better actor? Sure. Could you perceive it as somebody who maybe went through a lot less traumatic experience than she did? And that's why she's acting the way she is? Again. Sure, it is on you to decide. After the events of that night, though, the marriage was finally over. On May the 23rd, Amber filed a petition for the dissolution of the marriage, and on the 27th, she applied for a temporary domestic violence restraining order, and this prevented Johnny Depp from contacting her. In terms of the marriage settlement, she ended up asking for $50,000 monthly in spousal support, she claimed to have about $43,700 in monthly expenses. So, some parts of that budget go to her rent, entertainment, gifts, and vacation, and, you know, $10,000 goes to miscellaneous expenses, grooming, pet supplies, expenses for public relations, agent, and attorney. On the 16th of August, they will finally reach the resolution towards that dissolution of their marriage. The divorce was finalized on the 13th of January 2017, and it was finalized with a settlement that made Amber Heard $7 million richer. She kept the dogs, and she also kept a horse that they had, apparently. He was to retain the possession of the real estate assets, so like all of the properties in LA, Paris, and the private island in the Bahamas that he has. He also kept more than 40 vehicles and vessels, including vintage cars and his motorcycle collection. The settlement also resulted in her dropping the request to continue restraining order against him, which is something that I find interesting if you are a survivor of domestic violence, but sure, she decides to do that. There is confidentiality that they had to sign in order for them not to speak about one another publicly. And Amber said that she will give all of those seven million to charities. And this might have been a mistake. Just saying that, announcing that publicly. You know, if you don't think about delivering that, maybe don't overpromise, but it's too early to discuss that, because we get to 2018. It started raining, if you can hear that. Anyways, 2018. The UK gets their dig on it, because this was, if you are a Potterhead, when Grindelwald was called Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah, that thing, Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald. I think that is the name. 
and Johnny Depp played Grindelwald. So even if you are not into the Harry Potter world, which you're probably not proud to discuss, even if you are, main character, right? Main character in the movie, the movie is sort of a success, I guess. In my eyes, it flopped as the most boring thing I've seen, but sure. Cool. He is part of a huge movie that is a big deal because J.K. Rowling is from the UK. So, one of the biggest tabloids in the UK, meaning garbage newspaper, The Sun, makes this headline. Gone potty. How can J.K. Rowling be genuinely happy casting wife-beater Johnny Depp in the new Fantastic Beasts film? The next day, they probably already received some complaints from Johnny Depp's attorneys about the particular term, wife-beater, so the words were removed from the headline, and this obviously didn't reach the print editions, so people have still seen it. So, on the 1st of June, Johnny would file a libel claim against newsgroup newspapers, NGN, which is a publishing company of The Sun. He claimed that this article caused serious harm to his personal and professional reputation, and also caused him significant distress and embarrassment. This could have stayed at this. It could have been Johnny Depp versus The Sun, like a libel defamation suit that maybe would have settled or would have gone to court. But Amber Heard got in on it. And on the 18th of December that same year, the Washington Post published an op-ed by Amber Heard, which didn't mention Johnny by the name, but the article said that Amber became a public figure representing domestic abuse and that she felt the full force of our culture's wrath for women who speak out. So, okay, she didn't mention him by his name, but, I mean, unless you, I don't know, haven't lived in the country for the past couple of years, or don't have any idea who she might have been married to, you know that she is referring to him. And, as you remember, as part of their divorce agreements, they both signed that they are not going to give derogatory statements about each other. So, we now have two defamation lawsuits. One will be between Johnny Depp and The Sun, and that one will also have to discuss his relationship with Amber, have all of the people testifying, and also have all of the physical evidence to prove that the wife-beater part wasn't correct, to prove that he wasn't a domestic abuser. And then we have the defamation lawsuit against Amber, because she is saying that he was, but that is in the US. So, one is in the UK, the other one in the United States. I wonder something. Do you think had this happened, like, a decade ago, that Johnny Depp would have suffered the same consequences? Because I'm not sure. Because this coincided with the rise of the Me Too movement, it coincided with all of the allegations towards Weinstein that led to his trial eventually, so, of course, nobody wanted to be associated with somebody who is even allegedly known as a wife-beater. So, he was dropped from the sequel of Crimes of Grindelwald, and he was also dropped of Pirates of the Caribbean, which at this point, well, I don't even know how many movies. This is like the new Fast and Furious. Somebody's gonna come for me. If you come for me for that in the comments, I beg of you. Like, listen, if you are already here, down the rabbit hole this far, and this is what you're gonna reproach me for, for not watching all of the movies under the sun, please, 
Please get the grip. Actually, answer some questions that I had for you during this video on the allegations. Where I was going with that is that he suffered the consequences while she didn't. From what I checked yesterday, Amber wasn't dropped from the sequel of the Aquaman. That was like a big thing where over a million people signed a petition online for her to actually be dropped because she admitted to being physically abusive herself, but she never was. From what I read yesterday, yet again, maybe things will change, but all of her scenes aren't to be reshot by somebody else. They will still be included in the movie, so one of them has suffered consequences. I think Johnny Depp had a movie in 2020. Again, I don't think it got any press, because I only looked it up again yesterday, going through his filmography to see, like, what other movies he's been in, and I was like, huh, so somebody made a movie, but then couldn't really publicize over it. Where this stands now is that in 2020, that court proceedings, everything that I have read from today and have published on the screen, happened in London, here in the UK. So this is the defamation suit against the Sun, but Amber Heard appeared, she testified, the witnesses to these allegations, to these incidents also testified. And something interesting that I didn't know is that if you write something defamatory in London, the burden is on you to prove that it is true. There is apparently the legal difference between how the law works here versus in the US. What this means is, had this happened in the US, Johnny Depp would be responsible to prove that the statements made against him aren't true. It's a lot different of a task. But what this also gives us are all of the statements that I have read, everything that I have included. There's hundreds and hundreds of pages of court documents. It means that The Sun had the power, being one of also the hugest media companies, well, NGN rather than The Sun, being one of the biggest media companies in the country to bring all of the witnesses, to bring all of the people to testify against Johnny Depp. Johnny had Vanessa Paradis and Winona Ryder come over to the UK, both testifying that Depp was never violent to them, giving evidence to this. Vinona said, I was so absolutely shocked, confused, and upset when I heard the accusations against him. I do not want to call anyone a liar, but from my experience of Johnny, it is impossible to believe that such horrific allegations are true. So because of how the laws work here, you would suppose that that would go into Johnny's favor, because it's not him preparing the trial, defending his own actions, it's rather somebody else, with all of the accusatory statements that we went through. But it didn't, because if you see it from this perspective, she had more people in her corner. She had all of the people that I mentioned testifying on her behalf, she had all of the images, the recording that was played. So, by the end of all of that, he only had his exes to really be in his corner, and it was his word against hers. And in the end, the judge will rule that the son's allegations were substantially true. In particular, on the allegations that we spoke about, when it comes to the plane incident, if you remember prenup, we spoke about the beginning of this video, Johnny would say that he had given Amber a playful tap on the bottom with his foot and that she reacted badly, so he took a pillow and slept in the toilet. The judge ruled that this was more than a playful tap. 
On the trip to Australia in March of 2015, the judge accepted Heard had been the victim of sustained and multiple assaults. When it comes to the attack of Amber's sister, Heard admitted hitting Deb, but the judge accepted it had been in the defense of her sister. When it comes to her birthday and who shat on the bed, Deb claimed that Heard or one of her friends deliberately defecated on the bed, but the judge said it was highly unlikely. And then on the last delegation from LA in May 2016, the judge said, there is evidence which I find compelling of witnesses who saw Miss Heard with injuries to her face and who took photographs of these. So he eventually lost this libel case, which resulted in him getting fired from the multiple roles, and he also suffered some financial consequences because he had to submit a payment of... Okay, what's the conversion in dollars? Around $840,000 to NGN, publisher of The Sun, to cover their legal fees. So, where is this case now? Well, if you remember, there was one libel case here, so there needs to be another one in the US. And that is coming up in 2022. So, the part two isn't really coming up next week, okay? Okay, bear with me, but I am gonna be following the shit out of that thing. Because after this, of course, Johnny Depp lost the majority of his roles, Amber Heard didn't. She went on thriving. She dated Elon Musk for some period of time. She was allegedly dating Cara Delevingne as well. And she is currently dating Bianca Butti. Bianca is a director as well, so another prominent figure when it comes to film industry. Not that I'm indicating anything whatsoever, but she dated some famous people. And in July this year, 2021, Heard published the picture of her and her daughter, Una Page, I think this is how you pronounce the name, that she welcomed to the world via a surrogate mother. Since these court proceedings, Amber also became a vocal campaign person on the issues of domestic and sexual abuse. She is now a human rights champion for her work promoting women's rights. She became the ambassador for women's rights for the ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, and she has also given speeches and written in the Washington Post, New York Times, about her own experience of domestic violence. And then, in August this year, Johnny Depp finally had a small win, because his lawyers fought well. You see how that settlement thing happened, you know, the divorce settlement? You know how she said publicly a couple of times, like we have evidence of this, that she had given $7 million all of the settlement to charities, to ACLU, to be exact, and to the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. Not just that, but there is... This is even more precise, because in her public announcement, she said that this is equally split between the two charities. The win that happened for Johnny was that the New York judge ruled in favor of his request to determine if Heard followed through with this. So, basically, they subpoenaed her. I think this is the correct terminology. And the only evidence that they could find out was that she paid $100,000 to the Children's Hospital in LA, 
and $450,000 to ACLU, so a lot less than 3.5 million and 3.5 million. If, you know, just do the basic math, a lot less than what she promised. So something tells me that this is going to be used in the big finale or whatever you want to see it in mid-2002 when he is suing Amber Heard for $50 million over the Washington Post op-ed that she wrote about how she was the victim of domestic violence. In response to this suit, Amber filed a $100 million counterclaim. She also alleged defamation and that Johnny was responsible for a social media effort to tarnish her career by getting her booted off Aquaman. But then, if she doesn't get booted off, does this really count? I don't know. But this, for me, at least, isn't a small win if you are, like, Johnny Depp supporter in any way, shape, or form. Because... A, he can catch her in a lie. And if you can catch her in one lie, if she promised seven million to charities out of everything to charities, may I emphasize on that, and gave them less than two million, you know, then where did the other five million go? Because it isn't a problem if she was to just settle and keep it all to herself. I mean, that proves that Maybe Johnny Depp was right, that maybe there was a reason why there isn't a prenup, why maybe she wanted to profit out of this marriage, and maybe why nobody else before Johnny Depp experienced any allegations of any violence against her because she wasn't to profit out of it. Again, speculations, but this is also sort of the reasoning behind his opinion and allegations, but she could have just settled, not saying that she's going to donate any of the money, but she didn't, and that is the problem. And if you catch her in one lie, it proves, kills two birds with one stone. It shows that if she was to lie about one thing, who is to say that she isn't lying about everything else? And it also shows that the motivation might have been monetary. I cannot describe to you how many times money is actually mentioned during this research. It's just to the next level. I just try to, like, extract the bits and pieces that were relevant, but money is mentioned on so, so many occasions, whether it is through prenup or, you know, subliminary mentions, or whether it is just through settlement. How much did the son benefit from this? How much did he lose? How did he lose it? It's just, this case is so exhausting, even without that aspect, and it takes so much away from the story. That is one other reason why I didn't mention it, but it is very prevalent. I mean, it continues to be about money, even in the 2022 trial. And that is the story of Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Any final words, Maya? Anything you want to get off? your chest. In the end, we don't have a classic victim story here, and there is no such thing as a classic victim story, and we just have to get over it. Victims aren't perfect, and that is the truth of it. I truly hope, though, that Johnny Depp has somebody in his corner, because as somebody who has had people in their family who are addicts, some still are some replaced one addiction with another. You can't cope with it on your own.
like you need to have somebody in your corner who actually forces you to go through rehab, who actually forces you to go through therapy. And I, I'd like to hope that he has somebody in his corner to do that for him. Regardless whether or not you believe he's a domestic abuser or not, I think we can both agree on that, that he needs some serious help, that he needs some rehab. Because regardless of do you see him as a victim or not, he does need some help to surpass the dependence on the drugs and the alcohol. And when it comes to Amber Heard, I'm gonna get heated again, I probably screamed during some part of this video, the Australia bit, because it just gets me so freaking heated, so incensed. Because as a woman, I told you, I have struggled with so many parts of this story where, again, I told you, it isn't black and white. You can see why does she have bruises? Why does she have bruises? Why is there a clamp of her hair that is on the floor? Why is there writing on the mirror that she's saying is in blood? Like, did she go to these extents where she is actually lying, hitting herself, getting other people to lie for her? Because if she did, that just isn't the person who is saying that is somebody who is calculated, who thought of every single move and stuck to it. And it's vile. I wanted nothing more than to end this video on a triumphant note, to be like, go Amber. Not just that you showed a domestic abuser in court, you settled your divorce, you got money out of it, you got out of there triumphant. You're in a public eye. Inspiration to so many people who feel the silence, who feel like they can't speak out for themselves. You went on to use your settlement money, spread it over the charities to help with domestic violence. You're giving back to the community, speaking against your abuser, even taking him to trial. Yet again, a second trial. And speaking more importantly, on behalf of your victims. But I can't. With everything I had given you today, I can't. And we go back to that same question from the middle of the video. If he is not a victim, if he is an abuser, then why and how isn't she one? There are still parts of the story, some of the injuries that can't fully be explained because Amber's testimonies don't support those injuries of how they would have happened. Doesn't really make sense. The physical evidence wasn't taken to support those claims. Or if you believe the other end of the story, she might have inflicted those injuries onto herself, which is just next, next level to think about. So after everything I told you today, I think I have enough evidence to see her as a perpetrator of certain actions, as somebody who was an instigator, somebody who started most, if not all, of these arguments where she would later portray herself as a victim, and it's on you to decide whether or not she was one. So I don't really need further evidence that would show her as a perpetrator, allegedly, based on everything that I have seen, the evidence that I would say is needed more is to show that Johnny Depp never inflicted any of those injuries. 
And if what a lot of us, at least over a million people that signed the petition for her to be removed of her movie because she is the instigator, she is an abuser to at least a certain degree, in this case is true, her actions have real repercussions, have real effect. Because as much as you can see her having positive effect, being on the human rights website, being their champion, giving money to all of these charities, you can see how these false claims can invalidate actions of real stories of domestic violence victims and survivors. These kind of claims reverse us back to the opinions that we see a famous person falsely accusing somebody. That means every accusation of domestic violence is fake. It reverses us in time where we can never step away from believing that a victim of domestic abuse can be a man, can be a man that is in the public eye, and can also start up a further debate, which is, can a man in the public eye, who has been accused of being a wife-beater, ever truly be cleared? Even if he was to win a libel case against Amber Heard, what are your opinions on this? Would he ever be able to be cleared? Would he ever be able to continue with his movie career? Would she? How do you think it will all end? Because this is definitely going to be a two-parter, it's just the second part is gonna come when I look a bit older, when we have all aged and matured and the opinions have changed and we can accept a couple of facts, you know, use our brain cells to actually process information, facts that we had in front of us during this video. But until then, well, hopefully until like next week, <laughs> I am gonna go out and edit probably the longest video in the history of time. And I'm going to let you ruminate on all of the questions that I have asked you during this video. So, this is it. I think I'm leaving you with some outtakes. I think it's a mic check. It's weird. Listen, I sing in the rhythm of songs of like high school musical and stuff. Why did I throw my phone? You see, this couch is a paid actor. Yeah, I wish. I don't pay inanimate objects. Come, nobody for that. Literally not a single person for that you pay your own couch. How would you pay your couch? Please walk us through the thought process of you paying a couch. Get out. Lost it. Lost the plot. <coughs> Remove my rings and get out of this video. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Removal of the rings process. Looking like a librarian. We're all in this together, it's gonna come to your ass, Maya, they're gonna come for you. This is gonna be copyrighted purely because of this line. What do you mean a song is gonna come to your ass? <laughs> It's not the name of a musical, it's the name of a song in a musical. Also, the musical doesn't come to your ass. It's the people behind the musical. This is why we are here for hours. This is why. This is why it goes to the outtakes. Daddy issues, daddy issues, say it with me, say it with me. Are we doing everything in rhymes of German lullabies today? She's back on the Bruder Jakob, nurse. Nurse, somebody gave her a phone. Nurse, somebody gave her a camera again, nurse.
Put her back in her room, nurse. She was released. She was released. She has escaped. She has escaped. I need to see your librarian looks. Your best librarian looks. Put them in the comment section. Put a link to them, right? That can work, right? I can copy-paste the link to, like, TikTok or, like, Instagram and stuff. Kind of creepy. Kind of a creepy request. But, Lisa, I really think this <laughs> hair length makes me look a lot like a librarian. It doesn't help that it's supported by a shirt that's bought, again, from a men's section. At this point. At this point, does anything surprise you? Um, basically, not to give you beauty advice, because clearly, you know, not, not a type of channel, not a type of person. But if you want to grow your hair back from your roots after it being red for about eight years, it's gonna take two years. Yeah, it's been two years now. It's been two years. One year, I look completely disgusting. I look like all of the colors of the period. <laughs> not even pleasant, not even joking. Sorry if you're a man listening to this. Also deal with it, it's periods, it's natural. And um, yeah, and then the next year is just literally cutting the length, cutting like the color that is left over, that has washed out and looks disgusting. So that's where we are at. Now it's only like a little bleached and it kind of looks like it's an intentional ombre. Does it, does it seem obvious to you that I'm postponing the most amount of time? That I'm postponing as much as possible talking about the topic of the day, because boy, I know by the end of this video, you might not even stay for the outtakes. You might be out, flying, running, running for the hills, because this is heavy. Put the tissues right next to you, and not in a good way. <laughs> What is wrong with you? Why would they watch your video? True crime. True crime is the topic of this channel. And they're gonna put tissues next to you because of a good way. That tickled one. That tickled one might have, you know, sparked people's fetishes. That might have led people to go and research, you know, more on that topic where they would have the tissues next to them because of a good cry. Let's call it a good cry. That's not. Let's, let's just not. Let's just... Finish this topic and actually start the topic of the day. You gotta, you gotta. <laughs> you research it for two days. You gotta actually tell it to the people now. I am gonna have a panic attack with this video because this is a topic. This is a topic and a half. Don't like it. Don't like it. We gotta do it. We gotta talk about it because that's why I created this fucking channel. Okay. Well, now that you justify that, librarian here. Onto the sides, and let's go, let's go, let's go. Right, right now, right above, no. What I love is that this article is definitely written by her supporter. It's like, a film is about sexual harassment, discrimination, and social justice. And she acted as a younger version of Charlize Theron. And you're like, yeah, Johnny Depp acted as Jack Sparrow. I don't think that he is a pirate that he it has inspired him to be a freaking captain on a ship because of this movie. Like, Make it make sense. It is an acting role for a reason. Because they're acting in a movie. I don't connect that and their personal life. No, if they act as this person, that must mean they're that person. Same person in real life. Like, no, that is why that is a role. That is why they study for it. They train for it. That is why I'm not an actor. Well, that would be such a sad role. <laughs> 
just quit it. Just like the saddest role of me just sitting in front of a Imagine this was my acting role, like Jesus fucking <laughs> The parallel universe is like you're like, oh can I have a reality check? And that is a reality check. Your life and your role are the same. It is a reality check. <laughs> like how do I get out of this limbo? How many lives have we lived through in the past ten seconds? Hundreds. Hundreds. <laughs>